Welcome to the Mum Boss Podcast, hosted by me, Renee O'Neill. I'm your host, life and business coach for mums, and a mum of two myself. I'm here to help you be the present mum you're wanting to be, whilst also having a successful business, because you can have both. It doesn't have to be one or the other. You have come to the right place if you're a mum who dreams of time and financial freedom and wants to be fulfilled in life alongside motherhood. This podcast is a place where you can come to be inspired and empowered whilst also getting tangible tips, advice and strategies to help you in your life and business. So let's dive in. On today's episode, I am excited to share with you Amy. So Amy is a money coach and she helps women save, invest and manage their money and escape the paycheck cycle so they can achieve their money goals. And she's also a mum. She is of a blended family, which you'll soon come to learn about. And I'm just really excited for you guys to hear this conversation and all the things we talk about. Amy actually shares some really tangible tips that you'll be able to take away from this episode and put into practice and into place to help with your money as well. So I'm excited for you to take a listen. So here we go. Okay, so today on the podcast, I have a special guest for you. And as you've already heard from my introduction, I have Amy on the podcast. So Amy, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do. Hi, yeah, I'm a a mum. I am a money coach. I empower women to escape the paycheck cycle, take control of their finances, all while educating them and making money talk comfortable. Oh, this is something I love. Like I I know Amy because we're actually in a business mastermind together. So I guess I know a little bit more about Amy than what I guess some people would in seeing you on Instagram and things. Like I've gotten to know a bit more about you. But I'd love for you to share when you when you say that you're a mum, I'd love for you to share what your family dynamic is because I mean being a mum is is such a big responsibility. It's a lot of like, you know, there's so many parts of being a mum that makes it quite a, you know, a big job. But your situation means that yours is 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 quite big. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we, between my partner and I, we're a blended family. So we have six kids between us. Um, I've got two of my own and he's got four and they range from five to all the way up to 18. Which for me as a mum of two, I cannot fathom that. I'm like, two kids is full on. I've got two hands, you know, (laughs) like six. I'm like, that is, that's a lot. But I love that it is a blended family dynamic. And I love that you've got the best of all the worlds in your family situation. Um, But I'm sure that it also comes with its challenges as well. Yeah, it does come with its challenges. Um, I still do only have two hands. And so my idea of going out is it consists of head counts. How many do I have with me? Do I have them all? Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it would be a lot. And 
obviously you are a money coach as well. So you have a business where you're helping women get out of that pay cycle that you call it. And so I'd love for you to share what it is that you do and how I guess you help women. Yeah, so um, a lot of my business revolves around budgeting, saving, getting out of debt, all of the um, everyday things when it comes to money. But most of the time, I am spent helping women with their money stories and, um, yeah, basically just trying to break old habits, behaviours and beliefs around money. 90% of our money matters are actually behaviours and habits, not how good we are with um, budgeting and Excel and numbers. Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because we all have money stories, don't we? And some of us are aware of them, some of us aren't. And I think when you have a business or you're starting a business, you really kind of dive into your limiting beliefs and how they're actually holding you back. And we've got them around all aspects of our life, don't we? It's not just money, but I think money in particular is a big one because I know that, you know, a lot of clients that I work with, there's often you know, some, some challenges that come around having money beliefs because it shows up in your, your relationship. It shows up in your family. It shows up in your, you know, personal life in general, but also in your business as well. So what are some of the, I guess, common money stories and beliefs that, that, that we have and how, I guess, can we break free from them? So one of the uh, most common ones that I hear all the time is I have to earn a lot of money to build wealth and that's just simply not true in my experience with um, dealing with a lot of clients that are on minimum wage um, we just find that they can still build wealth with without the need for a lot of money um, I like to tell my clients that instead of saying you know I can't earn a lot of money Start telling yourself, you know, how can I build wealth with the income that I currently have? And that all comes down to, um, you know, trying to build wealth consistently, starting off small and consistent and then building up over time. Yeah, I think it's so true, isn't it? Because I know, you know, with people that I know in my world, there are people that might not earn a huge income, but are financially very well set up. And there are people that earn huge incomes and, you know, are not as financially set up. And I think sometimes we do have that belief and that story and that perception that, okay, well, I need to earn a huge amount of money to, you know, set myself up financially. And I guess what you're saying is that's not actually the case. And we're not, we're not limited to the income that we're earning from maybe a job and that they're might be other avenues and opportunities. So I guess for somebody listening who's sitting there thinking, okay, well, I've got a nine to five. I've got that capacity of my income earning X amount. How can I then increase my income or my earning potentials? What what are the steps that I could probably take to, to change that? Well, first you want to start off with actually creating good money habits first. Um, and that might be, putting five or $10 away a week out of your pay and doing that consistently. Um, then you want to look at things like building wealth. So investing. Investing is a great way to have a income on the side 
earning money for you where you're not actually doing anything. So what we call a passive income. And I guess another money belief is a lot of people think you need to have a lot of money to invest where there are so many different apps out there where you can spend five or $10 a week or a fortnight transferring money into that and they invest that small amount for you. So you don't need the large sums to be able to invest. I think that's really good to know because I think a lot of people do have a perception of you need to have a huge amount of money to invest it to then end up making a lot of money. And, you know, even I wasn't aware of that there was apps like that. So um, I think that's really helpful to know that. Are there any apps in particular that you can recommend that you you find are reputable and, uh, you know, something that you would feel comfortable recommending? Yeah, of course. So um, I've helped our 18-year-old set up a spaceship account. So spaceship is one where you can transfer really small amounts into it and they invest it in a wide range of um, places for you. Then I use Perla. I find Perla is um, good for, you know, choosing your own, where you're going to invest into. Um, I think you do have to have a little bit more invested in Perla. So I started with $100 in that. Yeah, and I guess for anyone listening that's like, oh, my gosh, I don't know where to start. Like, this is all too overwhelming. That's where you come into it. That's where somebody can reach out to you, connect with you, and, you know, you can assist them in setting up something like that. Yeah, I can I can help them with the ins and outs of how um, the app works. Um, as for starting investing, the easiest way to invest is to choose your investment based on how you feel about those companies so um do you feel really really strongly about um investing in places that are good for the environment and you can actually find those and invest in those so investing in things that you feel good about is is your starting point yeah that's a really good tip to have as well i'd love for you to share how we can set up a budget for ourselves because I know that budgeting even just the word sometimes is a little bit like oh I don't want to I don't like it it feels restrictive it's not you know we sometimes have all these feelings that come up with the term budgeting but I'd love for you to share I guess your best tips in how we can set up a budget how we can set up a budget so we don't feel so restricted perhaps. Um, and yeah, what your best tips are around the whole budgeting topic. <laughs> okay. So when I work with clients, we don't call it budgeting. Ooh. We call it a cash flow plan because it sounds so much better. Yes, that's exactly right. Because the whole budget term really just doesn't sit well with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's basically they both mean the same thing you're um, working out a plan for where your money is going to go the first thing I would start off with when we're looking at budgeting isn't actually the money or the numbers the very first thing is goal setting so you want to determine your why and this means sitting down and thinking about where you want your life to be in one five or ten years time what goals you want to achieve in that time, um, what do those goals mean to you? And once you've discovered your why, 
budgeting and saving becomes so much easier to stick to. Uh, the next thing is I would start looking at your money story because our story and our beliefs around beliefs around money determine how and why we spend our money the way we do. Um, our money story and beliefs are going to be different to our partners as well. So sitting down and talking about that with your partner along with your goals kind of gets you both onto the same page of where you're headed and where you currently are and what you need to work on. So on that note, what happens if you, you're a couple and you have a joint income, or like not a joint income, but you've combined your finances together as opposed to a couple who has two individual, would you still suggest that you have that conversation together regardless of your situation? Yeah, 100%. If you're going to spend the rest of your life with this person, you need to make sure that where you're headed in life is still the same direction, whether you, you combine your income or not. You want to make sure that your goals are similar. So you can still have separate goals, but for where you're headed in the direction of your life, you want to make sure that those goals uh, you're both on the same page with them. So along with discussing your goals, you want to discuss your money stories because your money stories are going to determine how you spend your money and how you're going to move forward. And you want to work on those together so that your goals and your path in life is the same. Um, and what I would say to couples who are combining their income make sure that you still have a bucket of money of your own. So between myself and Dave, we combine our income 100%. Um, that's just the way that our family dynamic works and um, that's best for the goals that we're wanting to achieve. But we still have our own accounts that we transfer money into and we call it our allowance um, so that we have money to spend guilt-free on things that we want or to buy you know presents in secret um, for each other it also allows us to have that security that if anything happened between us that we ha still have our own um, bucket of money and we still have our own security as in our own separate accounts yeah I always find it fascinating you know the money topic is often one that people avoid and it probably is because of a lot of our stories around money. But, um, it, you know, in the people in my world, it's very divided between like joint accounts, don't joint, you know, all this kind of thing. My husband and I personally, we have joint accounts as well. And in fact, we have multiple bank accounts for all sorts of things. So how we kind of structure our money is, you know, we've got our income coming in, um, and then we've got like what we call a bills account, which all our bills come out of. We've then got a play account, which is for all our fun stuff and holidays and things. You know, we've got all these different accounts set up for different things and it helps manage it a little bit more because I think when it comes to money, it's often that the money comes in and if you don't have the plan like you were talking about, then it could be very easily just to spend it all and not really focusing on those goals. So I think it is really important that you've mentioned there about having the goals, having the conversation, so you can sit down and work out, okay, where do we want our money to go and the direction you want it to take. Um, I think, you know, one thing I'd love for you to share on is 
what do you do in the instance where you've sat down, you've talked about your money goals, you're on the same page, but you know, one of you or both of you maybe depending is quite a spender. How do you rein back those, those habits that you've got of? Yeah. So I guess in a partnership situation where one person might spend more than the other, um, it's all about working on those beliefs and habits that you already have around money, wanting to actually work on those to, to do better. But one of the main things that I remind my clients about all the time is remembering your why. So what you are saving up for and what those goals mean to you, why you're wanting to save up for those goals, because that will always bring you back to, okay, I don't want to spend that money now because I want to save that for future me. Um, the other thing is those separate accounts that I was talking about, they help for the spender in the family so I'm the saver um, and Dave is the spender but he gets his own account he actually has two he's got a allowance account and an account for his um, his car that he's doing up so if he wants to spend anything that isn't for the family it comes out of one of those two accounts and if he doesn't have the money in there then he can't spend it and I guess it's it's coming back to having that clear communication between the two of you about your money goals and, you know, not, not being stressed about having to talk to your money, but your, your partner when they've overspent in, in your family money and being able to have that open communication between the two of you to say, hey, that was for our goals. How are we going to, like, what is the plan to get us back to reaching our goals? it all comes back down to communication. Yeah. I know with, you know, clients that I work with, the topic of money can be, can be quite a stressful one in their lives. And I think, you know, having these tips will be really helpful for them. So on a day-to-day -day basis, do you have any tips on things that we can be implementing daily to kind of help us stay on track and keep on track with our money goals and, you know, keeping everything very well managed, let's say? Uh, yeah, actually, there are a few. What I would say is you don't want to look at your money daily. Um, looking at your money daily is like weighing yourself daily. Sometimes it's going to be good. Sometimes it's going to be not so good. And you, what you want to look at is your overall. And then you want to set out automations for your money. So what I do with my clients first off is get them to print three months worth of statements on their bills and work out how much they're spending on bills, how much they're spending on fun money, how much money they have left over to allocate to their goals in and give them a complete overview of their money. Then we want to look at setting up things called sinking funds, which is what you were talking about earlier, where you have different accounts for all your different things. So for me, I have sinking funds for my yearly bills, my um, medical bills, for schooling, for, you know, birthdays, uh, Christmas, all those types of things. And um, I put little bits of money into that each time I get paid to build that money up so that when that bill is, is due or that, that birthday comes up, we have the right amount of money without having to stress about where you're going to find it. Um, so 
as for little things to do to help with your money, budgeting, setting up sinking funds for the bills that don't come out each and every pay, and three, money date nights. So once a month, you want to sit down with your finances and actually have a look. Are you on the right track to meet your goals? Uh, are there any payments that are coming out that you don't necessarily need anymore that you could cancel? So for instance, for me, I sit down to do my budget on the first of every month. So I'll be doing mine tomorrow because it's the first of April here. <laughs> and then um, I will look at our subscriptions, for instance. So at the moment we have Netflix and Stan. So next month, I will check where there's TV shows that we want to watch and I will cancel Netflix and Stan and move to another subscription service. So I'm not paying for them all every month. Um, it gives one, our children, a variety of things to watch and it means that I save money each and every fortnight by not, by not paying them all. That's such a good tip because um, I think subscriptions are an area in which we tend to forget about and because they might only be small amounts of money each month, you sort of sometimes even miss them from your account. And so I think that's a really good tip to, to have. Um, and especially when it comes to like your streaming, you know, videos and TV shows, because I know at one stage we had a subscription to nearly all of them and, you know, we were barely using them and those amounts of money soon add up. So I think that's a really good tip to have. Yeah, I, I like to explain to my clients who have children, um, it's like rotating your, your kids' toys. So when my kids were little, I used to have buckets of toys and you would bring out different ones each month and pack up the other ones. And it's like Christmas all over again because they forget that they had those toys um, because they've been in hiding for the last month. And it's the same with your subscriptions. So when you switch from one subscription to another, you're like, oh my God, there's all these TV shows I completely forgot that are here. And you actually make time to sit down and watch them if that's you know something that you want to do. I'm not a big TV watcher, but everybody else in my family is. So when we switch it, they're all like, oh my God, I forgot that movie was on here or I forgot that TV show was here. And they actually make time to sit down and do the things that they want to do, like watching those particular shows or movies. Yeah, I think that's such a great tip. So on the topic of kids and, you know, money, I guess being that you have got a family with six children in your, in your family and you're also running a business, I'd love to know how you manage it all because, you know, I'm sure you're wearing a lot of hats and a lot of multiple hats at once. And I'm sure that it's a juggle at, at you know, throughout the, the time. So I'd love to know how you are able to manage it all. Yeah, I love this question because when you look at how influencers on Instagram and how you look at them, you're like, how do they manage it all? How do they get it all done? We don't do it ourselves. I don't do everything myself. I have a very supportive partner who basically does a lot around the house. I don't remember the last time I cooked dinner. I don't remember the last time I did did the dishes. He does that every single night. And we have this unspoken rule in our house where he does the dishes because he hates washing. I do the washing because I hate dishes. Um, 
But when it comes to everything else, he basically does it all. I speak to my kids regularly about my money, um, about my business, about home life. We have chores and we, we got our kids to choose their chores. So they earn money from it once a week, um, but they got to choose which ch three chores they did so that they kind of had more enthusiasm to actually get them done. But they had to be helpful things around the house. They couldn't just be, you know, I want to go wash the car once a week. That doesn't help me in everyday life. So they had to choose chores within the house. And the 14-year-old, she cleans the laundry, she cleans the bathroom, and she mops the floors. They're her three chores that she chose. So between all of the children, they basically clean my house for me every week. <laughs> um, the other thing for me is because we have so many children doing so many different things and, you know, a roster between split houses, um, my calendar is basically my saving grace. And it's about doing a little bit each day. And I add that into my calendar. So for an hour each day, I, you know, set aside to clean my house. For a couple of hours each day, I set aside to work on my business, not just doing one-on-ones with my clients. And then for a couple of hours a day, I set aside purely just for me or for me and my partner to reconnect with each other at the end of the day. Um, and the last thing is, which I'm still working on, is asking for help when I need it. That's a big one, isn't it? I think us yeah. mums in particular, it, it, this happens to everyone, of course, asking for help is really hard. You know, it's something that I feel like it's just not instinctually in us. And so it's something, like you said, that has to be worked on. How is asking for help going to be beneficial for you? You know, what is it about that that will make a difference for you? What are the things that you're wanting to achieve with that? So... I find the biggest thing with asking for help is I, I need to learn to ask for help in times where I'm feeling stressed and overwhelmed, that I need to realise that not everything falls back on me, that there are, you know, seven other people in my home that can actually do a lot of the things that I do. Yes, I might do them better sometimes, but aren't they better being done? whether they're not whether they're done to my standard or not at least they're done yeah that's something that i definitely had to work on myself is i'm such a perfectionist and so i've had to have that mantra of done is better than perfect drumming in my head day in day out because the reality is we have got busy lives don't we and so you know sometimes you've just got to go with the whole done is better than perfect because I literally don't have time right now. <laughs> yeah, that and the fact that, you know, my children might not dust as well as I do, but, you know, they're learning valuable skills doing it. They might not, you know, vacuum and mop the floor the way that I do, but with gentle instruction, they will eventually get to a point where they're actually doing it really well. But at least my floor is getting vacuumed and mopped every week instead of, you know, once a month because I don't have time to juggle all of those hats. Yeah. And that's the thing. It is teaching them valuable lessons as well, you know. I love how in our house we're breaking a lot of the stigmas that come with um, a, you know, what they call a normal family. We're nothing but normal. 
um, especially with having so many other influences in our life being a blended family. But, you know, our kids get to see that I do spend a lot of time working, that, you know, I'm, that Dave does a lot of the cleaning in the house, that it's not just we have women's roles and men's roles in the house, we have everyone roles because if everybody didn't help out, nothing would get done. And I love how we've instilled in our family that we all do something to, you know, help someone else out. Oh, I love that so much. Our, our roles in our house aren't based on male roles and female roles. They're based on where people's strengths lie and what they enjoy doing. So Dave doesn't necessarily enjoy doing the dishes, but he loves having a clean kitchen. Whereas I enjoy hanging the washing out because that's kind of my time to zone out from everything else and relax. So we do the things in the house that are, I guess, within our zone of genius and with also what we enjoy, um, which is why we got the kids to choose their chores for the house because it's what they know how to do best, what they enjoy doing, and it means that it actually gets done. Um, so I don't believe in the whole male-female roles in the house. I believe you do what you're best at and you do what you enjoy. And uh, we've also instilled in the children that you outsource what you don't like. So if the 14-year-old, so she earns a dollar per, so our kids earn a dollar per um, year that they're old, how old they are, sorry. Um, so she's 14, she gets $14 a week. But if she doesn't want to do one of her chores, she can outsource it and pay some of those dollars to one of her younger siblings to do. Oh, that oh, is that so is cool. So does that happen very often? Um, it happened when the 14-year-old was doing um, like a car cleaning business and she was outsourcing the little jobs that she didn't want to do to the other kids. Um, so yeah, it, it can happen, but most of the kids in our house, they want their own money. So they actually do their own jobs. Oh, I love that. It's so good how in doing activities like that, you are teaching such valuable life lessons, you know, not just around money, but around work ethics, you know, all of the things. So I love that you guys do that. So for listeners who are listening along and they're like, I would like some help around my money situation. I'm feeling stuck in my money. I feel like I'm lacking in money, all the things. Where can listeners find and connect with you? So I spend most of my time on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at underscore Amy Martinelli. And you can click the link in my bio to see the different services that we offer or you can DM me and let me know your situation and I can let you know which service is going to be best for you. My most popular service is my hour of power. It's where you can sit down with me for an hour and ask any question or just offload all of your money issues um, and stresses onto me and I can help you with strategies and an implementable plan to move forward to break out of that cycle that you're currently in um, and I have a new service which I'm currently setting up which I'm so excited about is uh, monthly money date nights so I do them myself as I mentioned before but 
I want to create a community where, you know, like-minded women can come together, whether they're in a partnership or whether they're single and they can do money date nights with other like-minded women and, you know, share goals and inspiration and cheer each other on. And it's just a nice way to sit down together over Zoom, you know, with a cup of tea or a glass of wine and, you know, a blanket and just go through our next month's worth of uh, income and finances. I love that. I'm going to pop all of those details in the show notes. So head to the show notes and you can easily click on the links to head over and connect with Amy. I know she would love to hear from you. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I've loved chatting with you and um, we'll talk soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm so grateful for you and super glad you've taken the time out for yourself to tune into this episode. If you love today's episode, then don't forget to hit subscribe so you can catch the next one when it's released. 